Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be here with you this morning. Um, I have to tell you, um, I said this after the first, in the first service as well, I, I need to drink what Ben and Phil drink. They have so much energy up here, right? I wanted to do like a, I wanted to show them up and do like a front flip or something, one of those little, you know, dipsy doos and land it, you know, um, but I'd break something and I'd be laying on the ground and that wouldn't be good for anybody. Anyway, my name is Joel and it is so good to be here with you this morning. Um, my family and I, we normally attend the Conklin campus. And uh, I am thrilled to be down here with you this morning. Uh, as the last, uh, over the last year, um, back in 20, uh, what year is this? I don't know, it's something. Back in 1972, no, back in 2021, I had the privilege of uh, speaking most of the year at Conklin as we were going through the process of looking for a campus pastor, and that was exciting to do that. Um, also, I've had the opportunity, uh, those of you that might, be, that might know Bob Katalisic from up at Montrose, I had the opportunity to work on staff with him uh, before he came to Montrose. This is a number of years ago, and uh, it was a pleasure to be there with him. I was only there for about six or, excuse me, we were only together. We overlapped for about six or eight months. I came, and he left six or eight months later. Um, I don't think he likes me. I don't know what's up with that. So I, I don't know. Yeah, don't laugh too much about that, huh? But uh, anyway, it is, it is good to be here with you. I am a, I am a recovering pastor, um, a recovering youth pastor. I guess I should say it that way. Uh, maybe that kind of brings you more understanding. I'm a recovering youth pastor who works as an athletic trainer. I don't know. I'm still messed up, but I love the Church of Jesus Christ. I love the opportunity to come here. Which part was funny? I messed up or love the church? Huh? That's it. I'm done. Um, that's the best service ever, wasn't it? Right there. You guys are going to say, bring him back again every week. We like that really well. Uh, anyway, um, it is great to be here. I, I loved your band up here. They did a tremendous job. Um, things that take you back, right? Um, Kenny Chesney sang it. I go back, right? Uh, any Kenny Chesney fans? I shouldn't say that. We're in church. Shh. Um, anyway, but I, but I go back when we sing that the song. What a wonderful name it is! I was at a church down in uh, Charlotte. This, this was visiting with friends of mine a number of years ago on Easter, and they sang that, and that was tremendous. I I love that. So the group up here, an absolute great job. So so happy to be here with you. Um, anyway, all of that all of that to say that as I come this morning, I'm going to be bringing a message this morning that's about vision. And it's about the vision of Bridgewater. Um, over the next few weeks, Bridgewater is going to be presenting um, some messages on vision, um, what it is, why it is that we do what we do. If you are a regular here, this is a reminder. If you are new here, if you're uh, just trying to kick the tires a little bit, trying to figure out what Bridgewater is about, this is a good opportunity to hear some of the some of the aspects of the church, some of the vision, some of the core beliefs, that's what I'm trying to say, of the church and encourage you to become a part and get involved in a ministry that has seen people baptized, right? Isn't that amazing? Seven baptisms last week. I love that. Lives changed. And even as we mentioned that life right there, um, up in Conklin, we were celebrating a couple weeks ago when Madison was saved. All right, I remember we, we were applauding that. I didn't know Madison. We just hear the name of a teenager, Madison, from, from Tonkanic that put her trust in Christ. But this morning, this, this is awesome. This morning, after the first service, I got to meet her mom, Kelly, who is one of those carnations, right? Represented by one of those carnations. Kelly was here in the first service, so that was absolutely tremendous to have the opportunity to meet her and talk with her. So it's exciting to see lives changed. And that is, right, the vision. More and better disciples 
of Jesus Christ. We don't just want more and better disciples. We want more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we are following our leader, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this morning, what we are going to be talking about, um, we're going to be talking about everybody has a next step. That's something if you've been here for a while, you have heard. We believe that everyone has a next step. Wherever you are in your journey, this thing called Christianity, this process of life, we believe that you have a next step. For some of you, that next step may be that you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've been coming because a friend introduced you to church, or you've heard good things about it, or you heard there's a good band up here, right? Or whatever it is that you may, or you heard that the speaker this week was a comedian. <laughs> and you said, ooh, we want to go to that. We like that. Um, See, I lose my whole track of mind. Now we're done again. Anyway. But whatever your next step, right? So if you, are, if you are somebody that needs to put your faith and trust in Christ, you, you need to, that's your next step. For others, you have put your faith and trust in Christ, and it's time for you to be baptized like those seven last week. And that's what we're talking about this week. Everyone has a next step, and it's baptism. And if, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, some of you, that might be your next step, and that's going public with it in the process of baptism. For others of you, it may be it's time for you to step up and serve in some areas of ministry. Even as Phil was mentioning, different opportunities starting here in the fall. For others of you, it may be stepping into a community group, which there are sign-ups out for out there, right? Getting involved. Why, why do we encourage community groups? We encourage community groups because, guess what? Learning, all right, you can learn in rows in a setting like this, and you can get information in a setting like this. But you know where life change most often happens? when you're involved in community with other people, right? Praying for other people. You, you know what? Within here right now, there are some people in front of you that are ahead of you a little bit in life that you need to learn from. And then there are some of you that there are people behind you that they need to learn from you. It's, it's amazing how that works through all stages of life until we're really old. Then when we're really old, I guess there's nobody any longer in front of us. But for most of us, I look around in here, I think everybody in here, you still qualify. There's people further along that can help you out, and there's people behind us that we can bring along with us. So we just want you to know that we are about that next step. And as I look at this morning to talk about baptism, wow, baptism is a word that when you hear that, you automatically think of religious terminology. And as a matter of fact, for most of us, if, you, uh, if you're familiar with baptism at all, your belief or your understanding of baptism is formed by, by the traditions that you have grown up in. All right, whatever the church is, if you grew up in church, if you didn't grow up in church, you heard things about baptism. I mean, after all, Toby Keith sang about it, right? Back to country music. I got to get out of that. Any of you like country music? I hate it. No, um... <laughs> You can tell. I got issues. Anyway, my, my next step is to find the psychologist afterwards. But don't, don't you, uh, don't laugh too much at that one. I'll be here all day if you keep that up. Anyway, we, right, we, we all have that within us. We, we have this thing where we've heard about it. And it is formed by what it is that you thought, what you, what you grew up knowing, right? I grew up in a Baptist church. So guess what I know about baptism? There is a tank in the front of every Baptist church. As a matter of fact, you can toss, talk to Pastor Kurt when he walked in here. This is my, if you're a first-time guest, I'm a first-timer as well here. I walked in, and he was talking to me about this, and I said, oh, well, then there must be a baptistry up here somewhere. 
So like, where? Well, it's, it was at once upon a time in Aaron's. Why? Because it's a Baptist church. And what do we know? Baptists, we baptize. We take them down under. We dip them. You may have grown up in another, right? You may have grown up in another church. Maybe you grew up Presbyterian and you were sprinkled as an infant. Maybe some of us, you're more familiar with the Catholic church where you were sprinkled as a baby. Um, but baptism, we, we have all these ideas that come to our mind and many of them are formed by what it is that we learned as a child or what it is we learned from the tradition of the church that we grew up in. Well, this morning what I want to do is I want to go back to the New Testament, take a look at what took place in the New Testament, what they were talking about, and hopefully if you are one of those people that haven't been baptized, our our church would say about 25% haven't been. That means 75% of you have. That's awesome. This is a challenge to those of you that haven't. Just so you know, right up front where we're headed, challenge to those of you that haven't been. It's a challenge to those of us that have been. Why? So that we can explain to others why they might need to follow Christ. And also so that we can be reminded that that baptism was an act of us going public and saying that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you've been baptized and you've gone public with that, you need to be living a life that reflects that, that others show that. You're there like, hey, so this is a challenge to us, challenge to be baptized or a challenge to, to, to evaluate our life if we are somebody that has been baptized. So as, as I say that, there's, there's this list, all right? Some of us, we've been baptized. Um, some of us, all right, for some of us, we were sprinkled or we were christened as a, as a little baby. And for others of us, we, we come in and we're just like, I don't know what baptism is, and I certainly don't know who it's for. It's for the religious people. It's for those people that are, you know, the ones at the church down the street. They're really, right? That's what we, that's what we think when it comes to baptism. But this is the idea that we want to work through this morning. And baptism really came. Why do we all do it? Well, it's because, all, why do all churches do it? Well, it's because Jesus instructed it. After he had risen from the dead, all right, Jesus has risen from the dead. He gets all of his followers together and those 12, well, minus Judas. So the 11 are closest around him. They are there with him. And a bunch of other followers are around him. And when he gets them all around, at the end of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew, who was there, writes the detail and gives us the account as to what it was that Jesus said to them. And these are the words that he says at the end of Matthew. By the way, let me just say this. If you are, if you are interested this morning, if you have a Bible, you can open up to the passage there. We're going to be jumping around to a handful of passages. One's going to, we're going to start right here with Matthew 28. Um, if, you have your, if you have your device here, if you have your iPhone, you can bring it up on that. If you have another off-brand device, well, good luck. And for, for any of you, they are going to be, almost all the verses are going to be up on the screen as well. So they will be right here in front of you as well. But I encourage you to follow along whatever whatever it is that you'd like to follow along with best so that you can see the scripture, so that you can see the word of God as we look at it this morning. But, but at the end of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus comes to his disciples and he tells them this. Then he came and said, all authority has been given to me, all right, on heaven and on earth. So Jesus is talking to them. This is the end. And he's bringing them together. And he's like, listen, if you've missed everything else, if you've fallen behind, if you aren't understanding, some of his disciples were like me, right? They were a little slow at times. Others, they were ahead. They're achieving, right? And they're doing well. But he tells them that this is what you need to know. All authority has been given to me. Now I want you to know this. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, there's our word, baptizing them in the name of the Father, which they would expect, and of the Son, that's him, 
all right, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So Jesus is the one that sets it up, and that is why all churches all right, have some form of baptism that they do. But once that was done, once that was said, and somewhere over the next 2,000 years of life, all right, baptism has become many different things to many different churches, to many different denominations, and to many different people. Well, let's take a look this morning at some of the New Testament uses of baptism and see if we can't come to understand better so that we know what, what is it that we are doing? What is, what is it that baptism is all about? And I want to look, I, I want to start this morning by looking at this right here. I want to look at the Greek word. Um, Pastor Kurt, let me know that you guys are the, uh, you guys are a stellar group. I'm looking around. I think he lied. Yeah, see, now, now I'm making fun of you and you're still, yeah. Anyway, but, but baptizo, right here is the word in Greek. This is how it appears in Greek. And, and, this, is, and this is what that word is. And one of the difficulties within our, within our, within our languages, within the translation, is what, is what happened with this word. You see, in the first century, baptizo, and as you look at that, knock things over up here. But baptizo, that's, that's the word of it. And that's the Greek spelling. Our New Testaments were written in what is called Koine Greek for us, all right? Um, not that, don't get too hung up on all this, but I just want you to understand where the word itself came from. And it, what, what it happened was it was just a transliteration of the Greek word. When, when, our, when the guys that were translating for us, when they were bringing it into English, and we were so happy they did that, all right, they just kind of, they took the word and they just kind of went along. It's a, it's a beta, alpha, it's a P, and it's a T, as they go down through there. And what they did is they just translated it, B for the ba, um, the alpha, ah, ah, ah. So they brought an A in, P for pa, pa, right? And they just went right through and they brought the letters straight down. And what they basically did is they created a word. And they created a word, baptize. See, it sounds a lot like baptizo, all right? But they created the word baptize. And, and when they did that, they just brought that word into the English language, all right? And when it came into the English language, it really became just a religious word for us, right? It's a word that connotates church, religion. That's something that we do at church. It's something that we learn at church. It's something that we hear about at church. But in the first century, it wasn't the case. Baptizo, that Greek word, had a meaning to it. And the meaning that it had is it meant to dip repeatedly. It meant that we're going to take something and we're going to dip it in water. It had the idea to immerse, to submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging. As a matter of fact, in the first century, that word was used of washing different things. It would have been used to wash, wash my hands. I'm going to look at that in just a minute here where Jesus used it. It would have been used to wash pots and pans. It would have been a term that's used to just of a, of a boat that had sunk, submerged down into the lake, into the sea, whatever it may be. That is what the word originally was used for. As a matter of fact, Somewhere around 200 A.D., there's a Greek philosopher, and I, I do not remember his name, but, but we actually still have this from my understanding. There was, there was a Greek philosopher who had a recipe that still lives on. The recipe was for making pickles. And the recipe took the cucumber or the, or the, um, or the vegetable, right? And it put it into, it baptizoed it into the boiling water, and then it baptizoed it into the vinegar. Is that how you make pickles? Yes. 
Somebody not? Yes, that's how I make them? Okay, there we go. I've got that part of it right, right? And then when you pulled the pickle out, it was going to heaven. No, right? No, it was just a common term. That's what it, that's, those were the instructions. This is how you make pickles. Baptize the pickle into the hot water. Baptize the, excuse me, baptize the cucumber into the hot water. Baptize the cucumber into the, into the, into the vinegar. And you have a saved pickle. All right? It was a term that was used, just a common term in the language of the day. So much so that actually in Mark chapter 7, I don't have this one on the screen, but in Mark chapter 7, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. And when he's talking about the Pharisees, he's talking about them washing their hands as they get ready to eat. And the term that was used was baptizo. And then he talks about washing pots and pans. And the term that was used was baptizo. Um, I do have one passage up there for us this morning. It's found in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, it says this, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee, so Jesus was out speaking to a group. One of the Pharisees is there. He catches him and he invited him to come over and eat at his house. Hey, come with me, Jesus. I want you to come eat with me. So Jesus went with him and he reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus had not baptized, had not first baptized his hands before the meal, he was surprised. He was not baptized. Well, were we supposed to get baptized for every meal that we eat, right? No, we teach our kids when they're young, right, to go and wash. What are they doing? They're getting their hands under the water. They're getting them clean. And that was the idea of that. So in the first century, it's a term that describes submerging, immersing, putting your hands under the water. Now, had I been better prepared today, and this is a part where you can be a little annoyed with me, had I been better prepared, I should have gone down to Krispy Kreme Donuts. You guys don't like Krispy Kremes, right? Because I don't know about you, but I love it when I'm there and the hot and ready sign is on and the glazed ones are going through and that glaze is just pouring over top of every one of them, right? Don't you just want to stick, don't you just want to immerse your mouth underneath that and let it all flow right into you? Now you might say gross, but, and I know that those donuts aren't necessarily going under, but they are going through a line where that is just immersing, where it is flooding those donuts with with sugar. And who wouldn't want that? Um, so how many of us are now making a line down to Krispy Kreme afterwards? I'll go out and I'll help lead if you like. Uh, anyway. No. But, but that's the idea that we are immersing. We are immersing under water. My Krispy Kreme, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but I just wanted to make you a little hungry and, and holler at myself for not bringing them and having them here ready for you. But baptism, how about prior to the time of Christ? How was the term used? You know, the term was actually used and it was developed prior to Christ coming, out, come, coming to earth. And, and for the, about, about the 400 years prior to Christ, three, 400 years prior to Christ, uh, nations would come through Israel, all right? Israel was at that point, right? Nehemiah, Ezra, they had come back and they'd rebuilt, but they're still under, right? There's the, there's the Babylonian Empire, the Greek Empire, and moving into the Roman Empire. But as people travel through there, they'd become familiar with the Jewish ways and the Jewish customs. And to many of them, the fact that the Jews just worshipped one God became appealing to them. They liked that idea. And they're like, ah, this is interesting. How do we convert, became an idea, how do we convert to Judaism, right? And they can't just be reborn as a Jew. So at that time, 
different different priests of, of within within Jewish within the Jewish reign would would come up with ideas as to how somebody could convert. And within that, one, one of the one of the one of the things one of the things that had to happen was they would circumcision for the males. Thus, the converts were women. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, but anyway, um, circumcision, there was, a, there was a covenant meal that they had to, it was, they, had to, they had to agree with the covenant of Moses. They would have a ceremonial cleansing. And that ceremonial cleansing that they would partake in was something that they would do by themselves. It wasn't public, but it was going home and it's cleansing themselves. It's bathing, whether it's at their home, whether it's at a river, whatever it may be, wherever they clean. But it's cleansing themselves. And that was where it became customary for them to baptize themselves, all right, prior to the time of Christ. That, that would happen. Not all the time, but if the people were converting, that's something that they would do. Well, then around 30 AD, there's some wild-eyed crazy guy that dresses weird, eats weird things that shows up at the Jordan River. And when he shows up at the Jordan River, this guy was by the name of, in those days, John the John the Baptist. Yeah, you guys are familiar with this story. You've heard it before, right? There he is, John the Baptist. He would come, and, and when he came, he came and he started proclaiming, and he, he would go down to the Jordan River, and he would proclaim, and he'd just preach, and as he preached, he'd preach this message of repent, repent, repent. Really, that's all? Yeah, repent. And what he would do is he'd take them down, they'd go into the river, and they would baptize. He would baptize them. He would dip them under the water. He would submerge them. He would immerse them. He would give them some sort of ceremonial washing that would cleanse them, that would clean them. All right, it was outside. It was on the exterior of their body. That's the term. John the baptizo, all right, John the baptizo comes through there, and he is now being baptized. Well, People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing they, their sins, they were baptized by him in the, Jordan, uh, in the Jordan River. So this is what is taking place, this baptism that is taking place, that baptizo, that term that, that I've been talking about, that term that we, are so, that, we are, that we are so interested in here this morning. So as he continues on, all right, John is there, and the Pharisees, the Pharisees were so impressed with him. So many people were coming out to him. The Pharisees were so impressed with him. They come to him and say, hey, John, are, are you the Messiah? They're looking at this wacky, crazy guy. Are you the one that's going to be the Messiah? And John gives them the story of, no, it's not me. As a matter of fact, there's one that was before me that was born after me. And they're all scratching their heads trying to figure it out. He was, he was first, but he would come after. And I'm just proclaiming the way for him. <coughs> and then Jesus, just shortly after that time, Jesus comes. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John, realizing this, he tried to deter him, saying, I need to baptize you, and you come to me. Excuse me just a second. So as they get into this scene, Jesus is coming to John to be baptized, and John's there like, wait a minute. I'm the sinful one here. You're the Lamb of God. And Jesus is there, no, you are going to do this. And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John 
consented. And after John consents, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, right? Heaven is opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. The rest of that verse is God proclaiming, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? That is what takes place there in that passage right there. But the baptism, Jesus is baptized as something that, listen, John, you need to do this to me because my followers are going to do this as well. And there's going to be a different reason that they do it. Right now, you are baptizing as people are saying that they are repenting and turning from away. One day, they are going to be baptized because they are going public with their faith, proclaiming themselves as followers of me. So for you, if you are here and you say, I don't understand what baptism is and who it is for, I hope that at least helps you out a little bit with that thought of what is baptism. But how about the who it is for? See, A there is baptism means to immerse and submerge, but how about who is it for? For some of us, as I mentioned before, you may have been baptized as a baby or as a young child. In the New Testament, whenever we talk about baptisms, all right, it always appears, excuse me, the baptism of Jesus Christ after following um, John, it is always people who have become followers of Jesus Christ. It's not babies or infants or those who don't know, but it is always those individuals that have become a follower of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, this is where the church, the day of Pentecost is what we call it, and the church kicks off and it starts, and it starts with 3,000 people that are followers of Christ. And it says at that time, those who accepted his message, and that message was Peter had proclaimed the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and there were many that believed and followed. All right, And about 3,000 were added to that number that day. They, they heard the message and they were baptized. Right? They, were, they followed through with this immersion, with the submerging of them into the water. Why? To proclaim themselves as followers of the way, followers of Jesus Christ. Another incident a little bit later in the book of Acts. There's an individual who was a leader in the, in the Jewish synagogue, and his name's Crispus. And Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. And it just continues that process in the New Testament that those that believed were then baptized. Now, there was another group that had already been baptized um, in Acts chapter 19. Paul shows up there, and it's in Ephesus, and there were a group of people there that, hey, we've, we've been baptized, Paul. And Paul asks them, as a matter of fact, this is how it goes. So then Paul asks them, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. So Paul is letting them know, listen, John's message was to proclaim, you need to believe in the one that's following me. So Paul proclaims to them, and he proclaims to them a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, this group of people in Ephesus, they decide on hearing this, on hearing the words of Paul, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, that is what took place. That is what baptism is in our New Testaments. Now, so where did we come up with the idea for babies and young children, 
right? And that's really just more of a tradition throughout the ages. And it's a tradition that makes sense. It's not something to insult. It's not something to laugh at. It's a tradition that makes sense. But there became a group of people. There became groups of churches, groups of followers who were afraid if, if my baby isn't baptized and something happens to them, they're not going to go to heaven. And they started to equate baptism with salvation. And yet in the New Testament, baptism was never a means to salvation, but rather it was that idea, I am going public and I am letting it be known that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am letting it be known that I am a, one that is going to follow Christ. Let me illustrate it to you this way. Um, I, I wear this ring. Do you know why I wear this ring? I'll bet you can guess. It was fancy and I like jewelry. So I just thought, oh, I'm, I found it on the ground one day. I picked it up and I put it on. Started walking around with it. I thought that was a cool way to go. I saw a lot of people did it and I thought, ah, oh, that would be cool for me too. Right? No, you know why I wear that ring, right? It's an indication that I'm married. Let's see here. There we go. Whoa, it's back there now. Um, right? Uh, there it is. I'm not married anymore, right? Took the ring off. I'm not married. Don't tell my wife. She's not here. It's good. I'm, 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 there you go. It's all... Right? Today, none of you even laugh. You're there like, it's not even funny. It didn't happen. Right? The, the wedding band never made me married. It never added anything to me being married. Right? It's just a symbol. It's an indication that as I wear that, that I am a married individual. There is nothing in that that makes us married. If I took it off, threw it out the window, and never put it on again, it doesn't change the fact that I'm married. My wife might wonder why. Why are you not wearing that anymore? She might even hit me and tell me, or she might say, oh, all right, good. But anyway, I'm not supposed to talk that way in church, right? There you go. But that's the idea. See, baptism was a means of going public, letting people, letting those around you, your friends, your family, those that were there in your community, know that you were a follower of Jesus Christ. And what we do here as a church, we take people and we take them out for like we had like you had a picnic last week, and you baptize. Other times we bring the we bring the big tub up on stage and we baptize our individuals in there. So for some of us, you, you might say, I, I don't want to completely follow Jesus right now because I'm not certain about this whole baptism idea. I mean, after all, I, I follow him. I do all the things. I come to church regularly. I give. I'm involved. But I, this baptism makes me nervous. And there may be, I, I listed three things. There might be more, but there are three reasons that I listed up there. One of them is you, you might be afraid. Another one is I have a sin in my life. I, I just don't want to give up. And yet another one might be that you're, you're there like you're honest. I, I, I don't know that I believe. I'm just here checking it out. I'm listening. I like a lot of the people. I like the idea of God. I'm just not certain that I believe. Well, let, let's take a look at these. If I take a look at I'm afraid first, all right? You are a follower of Jesus Christ, but you're afraid. And for some of you, it, it might be that you're afraid of, you're afraid of the water. Um, and, and I actually, I get that. For, for some people, water is a fearful thing. I, I don't have that issue. Right, but, but for some people, water and going into water, that scares me. And that's something that I'm nervous about. And if that is you, I, I would encourage you, talk to Pastor Kurt. The other thing that I encourage you to do if that is you, whoever you are having baptized, give them an extra $20 to get you back up quickly. <laughs> It'll work. 
I shouldn't tell you this, but I require that of all people that I baptize. When I baptize, 20 bucks or you're not coming back up, all right? That's, a, that's the way to go, Joel, way to help the people that are afraid when they got an idiot. So if you're afraid, don't ask me because I'm going to charge you more, right? No. We don't, we don't do that. But, but if you're afraid, that, that's a legitimate fear, a legitimate fear. For some of you, it might be crowds. You don't like crowds. You don't like being in front of people. I can't stand being in front of people. The first service, it took them a while to get there, right? They're like, <laughs> uh, but, but for some of you, right, you, you don't want to be up in front. There's that whole testimony thing. You give your testimony, and you're scared to death. Not only do I have to get up in front, I have to say something. And when I get up in front of people and say, ah, my, my, my voice works like that, right? And that makes you nervous. And, and, and I get that. Work through that. You know why? Because the people that are here to watch you get baptized, that's not what they're thinking in their mind. They're here to celebrate you being baptized. And if you can work through that testimony of yours, I guarantee you that there's somebody here that morning that needs to hear, that wants to hear your testimony. But you're one of the people that's sitting there, what do you mean they want to hear my testimony? They're all the same. I listen to them. They're all the same. Why do I have to do mine? It's going to be the same. I was a sinner. Jesus saved me. Exactly. We were all sinners, and yet God miraculously worked into our lives. Like Kelly telling me this morning that her daughter comes home from TLC, a different young lady. I don't know if you have teenagers. When teenagers come home different, mom and dad stand up and take notice, right? What happened down there? She joined a cult? What is it? Right? That, that's, what, that's what we're wondering about. But the crowds, if, if, don't, let that, don't let that be what holds you back. Again, Talk to Pastor Kurt. Talk to Adam. They'll, they'll walk you through that, and they will take you right through that. For others, it's parents and family, right? You were baptized as a child. You were christened as a child, and maybe I'm insulting my mom and dad. And I'd encourage you, if that's, if that's you, maybe you need to talk to mom and dad. and give them. It gives you an opportunity to explain to them what God has done in your life. And you're not insulting them, but rather you're saying, you know what? As I understand Scripture, mom and dad, it was, it was people after they had believed that followed. And God has done something in my heart. He's done something in my life and he's changed me. And I want to be baptized. For others, it might be that you're ostracized from your family. This is usually if you were converting from another religion, right? And, that, and that's a difficult. I understand that. And still others, it's the appearance, right? Part of it can be the appearance. What's my hair going to look like when I come up out of the water, right? I have that issue. <clears throat> and others still, it's the appearance that, well, I've been a follower for 20, 30 years and I haven't been baptized. What are people going to think? You know what they're going to think? They're going to think you're a wonderful person who wants to be a follower of Jesus Christ and wants to make it public. They're not going to think anything less. All right? So don't let those things be what holds you back. Work through those. Like I say, those, those first three, they can be difficult. That last one, that's something that we can work through with the appearance as well. Um, Paul told Timothy, the spirit of God, the spirit that God gave us, all right, the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid right? But gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You see, we have a spirit that is within us that gives us strength. You see, God, Paul tells the Romans, God is for you. Sometimes we get this idea that God is against us. Let me help you out. God is for you. And when it comes to baptism, guess what he's for? He's for you following him, obeying what it is that he has told you to do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? How about if I start with obeying and following him through the, through the baptism, waters of baptism? I would encourage you, if that is you, to go and get baptized. If you are somebody that has been baptized, I would encourage you to look at the friends, look at people around you, and encourage them kindly to be individuals that follow up 
and become baptized in Jesus Christ. Um, I have a son I was telling, I was talking about this morning, um, I think I was talking with Ben about this actually, that, that I have a son that he didn't come down with me today. My, my wife and two of my sons are up in the Conklin campus this morning, and I have one that, I, that should be baptized. And I actually was kind of glad to have him go there. Why? Because teens, when they come back different, your life has changed, right? But the other thing that I know about teens is mom and dad don't always make a lot of sense to them, right? But somebody down the street, they make perfect sense, correct? Yeah, we're aware of that. So I was hoping that maybe our, maybe our pastor and his message, maybe that'll be something that reaches out and touches and grabs onto his heart there. But, but it's this, this idea that we have, the spirit that's at work within us to lead us, to give us strength and go through baptism, be baptized. Um, others of us, one of the reasons that we aren't baptized is we have sin in our lives, right? There's a sin in our life, and we like that sin, and I don't want to give it up. And if I go through with baptism, does that mean I need to become more spiritual? I need to become more Christian? Let me help you out. If you are already a follower of Jesus Christ, if you proclaim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if we know of sin, we need to give that sin up and turn from it anyway, right? Baptism doesn't change that. Baptism is just me saying, I am going to obey. And if I'm going to obey, it means that I need to obey in this manner as well. I would encourage you, if it is because of sin in your life, change the way we live, right? And that's always easier to say than do, right? Because guess what? I can see the solution for your sin real easy. But when I look in the mirror, the solution for my sin is not as easy. Do you know why? Because God put people around me. And these people, they're not perfect like me, right? That's what we say when we look in the mirror. Or my sin, right? Don't let your sin issue be it. Change your life. As a Christian, we are in the process of being transformed daily anyway by the renewing of our minds. And that is what we want to be. We want to be individuals who are renewed daily. Does that mean all struggle is gone? Nope. Does baptism mean all struggle is gone? Nope. But it means that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ who is obeying him. And then finally, I, I don't believe. Some of you here, you might, that might be you. That might be your story. You might be here and you're just like, I'm not getting baptized because I, I don't believe. You know, I, I like the story. I like hearing the different things about Jesus. And I like the way everybody treats me here at church. As a matter of fact, I even like being part of a small group. I like welcoming people because I'm just happy to be here. But I don't know that I believe Jesus Christ wrote, died could he really die for my sins? You don't know who I am. But Jesus does. And he did. If that's what's holding you back, I would encourage you. I would encourage you to continue on. To continue here. Maybe that is your next step. Becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. And then being baptized. I'd also say this. Um, in the New Testament, we're told. Do you know that when I talk about the New Testament, I'm talking about individuals? Matthew. Matthew, who spent time with Jesus and wrote down and documented. Mark, who spent time with Peter, a lot of time with Peter, and a little bit of time around there with Christ as well. And Mark, who documents the story of Peter, the apostle who was with Jesus. I'm talking about Luke, you know, Luke, the one that took, he said, I did a thorough investigation. I went back and I talked to the eyewitnesses of the account and I wrote it all down so that people would know. And then John, that disciple who was so close to Jesus, who talked about, and he says, hey, Jesus rose from the dead and he tells us, these things are written that you might know. Well, I don't know that I believe. Well, John says, listen, I was there and I've written these things. We could write a whole bunch more, but these are written so that you might know. And then James. Do you know, do you know James? Um, there, there's, there's this, there's this uh, epistle, the, the book of James in our New Testament. James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. 
Now, this is just a little test for you. James went to his death proclaiming Jesus as his Lord and Savior. If anybody in here has a brother, um, any of you ready to proclaim your brother as Lord and Savior? As a matter of fact, some of you might be like me. Uh, they might want to proclaim, no, no, no. I'm, but, right? but, but what does it take for you to say that? James, James, who grew up with Jesus and saw him, and sometimes they didn't like him. Sometimes they thought he was nuts, right? Read our Gospels, it's in there. But James says he's my Lord and he's my Savior, and he followed him to his death. These are the guys that talk about this. So when it's, I don't believe, I want you to know that we have documents that tell us about a risen Savior that died for your sin. As a matter of fact, one of them that we talk about is Thomas. Thomas didn't believe. And Thomas, once after Jesus had risen from the dead, on that first Sunday, all the disciples came together except for Thomas, and they saw Jesus, and then they go and they tell Thomas, Thomas, he's risen. And Thomas said, no, he hasn't. I've seen him. I saw him. He was crucified. He was buried. I know what happens when people are crucified by the Roman Empire. It doesn't go well for them. They don't get up the next day. All right? And they're, they're like, no, Thomas, yes. And a week later, they come together. And again, and Jesus comes in with them. And Thomas, the one that said, unless I see the nail-scarred hands, unless I see the scar in his side, unless I see his feet that were crucified, I'm not believing. Jesus walks in amongst them and he says, hey, Thomas, take a look. And Thomas declares him as Lord and his Savior. And this was what Jesus then told him. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. That's us. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you are one that says, I, I don't know that I can believe yet, I would encourage you, even in the New Testament, the followers of Jesus Christ, one of the closest followers of Jesus Christ, struggled to believe, and yet his life was changed. And we believe that your life can be changed as well. So I close with this question. What, what's holding you back? What's holding you back from going all in for Jesus? What is keeping you back? Is it fear? Is it that I don't believe? For those of us that have been baptized, maybe it's time for us to be reminded in our minds, to be renewed daily that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, it means that I do some things differently. It means that I look at people differently. I look at people as children of God. I look at people with the opportunity to serve. Instead of what can I get out of it for myself, I look for opportunities where I can reach out and serve. But I would encourage you, if you are a follower who has not been baptized, I encourage you to be baptized. One of the ways that you can do that this morning is when we're all done, you can go out to the Welcome Center and let them know that. I would encourage you to do that. Hey, for each one of us, let's continue on our journey. What's our next step? For those of us that don't believe, believe. For those of us that haven't been baptized, baptized. Be baptized. For those of us that are followers and have been baptized, look for opportunities to serve. Look for opportunities to reach out. Look for opportunities to encourage and bring those around us along with us. Pray with me if you would, please. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here with you this morning. God, I pray this morning as we close our time together that you would bless and encourage each of the individuals here. Lord, you are a good and a gracious God, and I say thank you for that. I say thank you for this group of believers that is here this morning. And I ask, Lord, that you would work in our lives. For those that believe, Lord, and that serve regularly, thank you for them. Thank you for their testimony. 
For those that are coming along behind, Lord, may we continue to desire to serve you. And for those, Lord, that are still wondering, God, may they put their faith, may they put their trust in you. Lord, I just ask that you would go with us now, this day, this week. You know what lies ahead of us. May we love you. May we desire to serve you. May we desire to follow you. And may we realize that the God of this church, the God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine for your honor and for your glory. God, thank you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.